I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. Here we go. We're up and running. It's a new season, right? New hockey season. The Athletic Hockey Show. It's Ian Mendes, Julian McKenzie. Uh, with you and you know what uh, Julian want to just kind of let the the listeners know I guess the viewers know too that uh, got some fun exciting changes happening this season on the athletic hockey show gonna kind of really lean into our newsroom this season and a lot of the voices you've heard before you can hear Mark Lazarus today all those voices you're gonna hear them throughout the course of uh, the week with the athletic hockey show um, we're gonna be live streaming on a lot of occasions on YouTube so check us out youtube.com slash at the Athletic Hockey Show to watch us live, which means I don't know that we can just roll in anymore, Julian, into this show. I mean, you always look dapper, but now, like, I got to shave. I got to make sure I'm presentable here. There were This thing is audio and video. I, You know what's funny? Before we started recording today, I was wearing a sweater. I was wearing a hoodie that had a very big uh, name of a brand on the front, and I thought, oh, no, I don't know if I could – just advertise for this random brand that does not advertise for us. So I literally went out of my, I literally went through my closet and I just tried to find some random hoodie that won't, uh, you know, no, no sponsors or anything like that. Like I, that's an added element to what we have to think about with this show now. So I just wore this random uh, outcast hoodie. I'll do a better job of, of, of showing it here. Uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's an added element of uh, challenges for us on top of talking about hockey. Uh, we have yeah. to think about our wardrobe choice, choices. Well, isn't that the perfect segue? Talking about oh things that you can and can't wear. Uh, because <laughs> here was, we go. Smooth. Here that's we smooth, go. Ian. The NHL season starts tonight. We're recording this on Tuesday. And one of the biggest topics of conversation in and around opening night, Julian, the NHL's decision to ban the use of players using pride tape. So players in the past, look, we talked about this in the summer and it certainly came to light with the stalls and Reimer and Provorov. Handful of players didn't want to wear pride themed jerseys last year. I think that that topic we've discussed, we've dissected, but now there's a new offshoot to that. Something we didn't see coming until the last few days. And, and full credit where credit is due. Let's first give some credit to Ryan Clark, our old pal that uh, used to work with us at The Athletic. Ryan is over at ESPN. He sought some clarity on some of these special initiative stuffs, uh, decisions by the NHL. What can players wear? What can't they wear? What can teams do? So there was some ambiguity there. Ryan Clark last week got some answers. We got a little bit more clarity on this, but then – Outsports.com, Monday evening, Julian, 
with what I'm going to go ahead and call it a bombshell report that said the NHL is not going to allow players to use pride-themed tape. So think about the rainbow-colored tape you see players have on their sticks. Sometimes it's on the blade. Sometimes it's up near the top, near the knob, but it's very visible. Now they're not allowed to do that. And boy, oh boy, I got to tell you, this this feels... This feels like a giant, like gigantic step backwards is what it feels like. I agree. At the end of the day, they're just the, whether it's the jerseys or whether it's tape, these are just really small gestures that teams were able to do just to show that they could be inclusive and welcoming of a specific community. And these things occur during warmups, you know, when fans are filing into arenas just getting themselves settled. There are the few fans who, you know, they run up to the to the uh, to the glass uh, yeah. just at the lower bowl, and they want to see their favorite players from up close. This is something that, like, you don't really see during like an actual broadcast. It's not something that, unless you were in the arena, you would think about. But all of a sudden, it turned into this massive thing because one player said because of their beliefs, they didn't want to wear it. And then another player felt emboldened, and then more and more players. And I know we've said a lot that, you know, seven players, because of those seven players, uh, this is why this is happening. Who knows? It could be more than those seven players who might have felt differently, and we don't truly know what's gone on behind the scenes with certain teams and how they've handled that. But the fact that it's gone to this point, like, it, I, I just, it's, I have to give my head a shake here because I feel it's taken away from... You know, players who actively want to do good in support of of the LGBTQIA uh, community or or other bigger stories, right? Like this is we're the athletic hockey show. The yeah. leading topic should be Connor Bedard versus Sidney Crosby. It is not the leading topic. We have to address some of the reactions over hockey tape being banned. And at the end of the day, specifically with this news story and stick taps to to, to outsports.com for getting this, it's over tape, like hockey tape, like it's it's rainbow colored tape. And the fact that we're at this point where guys can't have it on their sticks, I think it's just a ridiculous thing to focus over. It's just a small gesture. And I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit beside myself and disappointed at the fact that the NHL has chosen this stance. Yeah. And, and you know, I think so much of, uh, you know, social justice causes are rooted in allyship. Okay. It's, it's rooted in allyship. By doing this, Julian, I think the NHL has now put a cloak of invisibility over the allies. How are we how are fans supposed to know who are the allies? How do you, like and like the two I can't help there's two guys that come to mind to me that I think last year did so much and that's James Van Riemsdyk uh and Scott Lawton in Philadelphia. Same guys you, I was thinking of. Yeah, and, and if you remember Julian, I'll, and and I think rightfully so, a lot of the oxygen went towards Ivan Provorov. He was like the first guy, I'm not wearing the jersey, cited his religious beliefs. Okay. On that same night, JVR and, uh, and Scott Lawton uh, took the time after the game. I think, I think Scott Lawton told me this. I think it was 50, 5-0 uh, families from Philadelphia that uh, you know connected to that LGBTQ plus community. And they sat with them and they chatted with them and they just wanted them to know, I hear you. I see you. I understand you. And I think that goes a long way. And so to take that away, just the little thing like the stick tape, it's really disappointing because you want to be able to see the helpers. You want to be able to know who the allies are. And now you have no idea. And now, and I know the league is saying, well, we're not stopping players from having their own uh, initiatives and taking part. And and I know you had a couple of good conversations today, uh, Michael Backlund, Jonathan Huberto, who both of whom I would say would be considered allies. What I thought was interesting on both of them, though, Julian, both of those Calgary players essentially said to you and to your colleagues, hey, we're allies. We're going to keep looking for ways to be allies, but we're not going to push back on this one. This is a league rule. And we don't want to get in trouble. Which and is, I'm a little disappointed in that. Which is kind of fascinating because this all started because players went against, well, it's not really a rule when it was going on, but they went against the norm. We, we've This is what's so fascinating about this. We have 
when you look at the sport of hockey, we we as media types have long debated over the concept of individuality and the fact that the sport has done so much to repress it in the name of having everyone play for this one uniform. And the specialty jerseys, the Pride Knights, for me, just it just always amazed me that those nights, that was the moment when some players were going to step up and say, hey, I'm my own person and I believe in these things and I'm going to go away from that. So while I see the initial reactions, uh, basically to paraphrase from Backlund Huberto, as Ian said, yeah, they're basically going to fall in line with rules. We've seen some reactions out of the Maple Leafs locker room as well. I believe uh, I saw Chris Johnson's tweet about uh, Brad Tree Living saying that they'll find ways to to yeah. support good causes while going around the rules. Rasmus Anderson uh, went one-on-one with uh, my, my colleague Solom Valji at TSN and said that it sucks, but we still don't really know if we, if there's going to be a player who's going to step out and, and try to go against this. But if it was so weird for us to think initially that players would go against this to begin with, at this point, I don't think it's far-fetched that somebody, even if it's just one player, somebody is going to put rainbow tape or or do some kind of gesture to go against this. I, I, I Maybe I'm naive to think that way, but I really think that if we've reached this point, and I'm sure that there are guys who feel a way about it and are disappointed about it. I, I feel as if there's someone out there. Someone's going to do something. Like I, I, If it gets to the point where I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But all those players and, and, and nothing, Like I'd be very surprised about that. If people were, gonna, were willing to go through the trouble of doing it the other way, someone's going to do it the other way. Yeah, and you know, my, my, my money, like I said, I thought Scott Lawton and James Van Riemsdyk came at this from an authentic place. And I really, truly think that those are the types of of guys that might do that. I'd love to see, Julian, we're going to bring Mark Lazarus in here in a second. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd love to see James Van Riemsdyk, Scott Lawton, and like three other Philly teammates for a game. And maybe one guy has yellow tape and another guy has red tape and another guy has blue tape and like all five of them together. That's not against the rules, is it? It's not against the rule. I mean, I mean, in that case, I know JVR is in in Boston now. I believe that'd be really unique to see. Oh yeah, geez, sorry, I forgot about that. Right? Yeah, no, but still, JVR like, is in Boston. Be, yeah, but it would still be cool uh, to see players if they feel compelled to do so, uh, stand up and 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 say that in some way that people from all communities are welcome, and that's really what this is all about. And for people who are going to look at us and say, "Oh, this isn't a big deal," well, we flip that on its head too. This shouldn't have been this no. big of a deal at the end and you can even say that the gestures that are being done through tape and and the jerseys are 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 some form of performance ship you know it's it's just pandering well not pandering i don't want to use that word i'll say that just there are so many other things that leagues and teams can do and maybe be even be on a level of what van reemsdyke and lawton did but these small gestures putting tape that that was enough that should have been enough and the yeah. fact that we're at this point debating it is a shame. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Let's bring him in, Mark Lazarus. And he is the self-professed, what does he call himself? The soy boy? This sounds like <laughs> perfect. Even this sounds like the perfect hockey team. Yeah. I, I believe is, Mark and I are playing against I, each other. In I, our, I couldn't our fit beta cuck soy boys. So I just went with yeah. soy boys with a Z at the end. Are we sense. allowed to say that word? Beta cuck? I guess I we are now, cuck. yeah. We are cuck. now. There's a U in there. There's we are now. There. There's a U in there, Julian, you dirty-minded. Yeah. Hey, 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 I'm not dirty-minded. <laughs> hey, Don't put that on me, sir. I'm wholesome. So, hey, Laz, we're, we're, yeah. we're going to talk uh, all things opening night and get into Bedard and Crosby and all the Doesn't stuff. this suck that on opening day, this yeah. is what we're talking That's about? Exactly this is what the, I said. the most exactly NHL thing said. ever. That's exactly what I so, said. This That's freaking exactly league, I swear it's to God. crazy. We should be talking about how... Every photographer, you work for Getty, you work for USA Today, you work for Reuters, you work for any of them outlets. You should be fighting like tooth and nail for that very first face-off between Sidney Crosby and Connor Bedard. We should be talking about that matchup. Sid versus the kid. And we're not at that point. We we're haven't not. reached that yet. This is this is what the NHL does. First of all, wouldn't it be funny if like Mike Sullivan sent out his fourth line to start the game? Yeah, oh that's my what. God. There's no way, right? Like, like <laughs> no. they have to put Bedard and Cro- of course that's got to be a league rule. Of course, that's got to be a league rule. 
Just as long as their tape is black or white. That's right. Yeah. Hey, but before we get into it, because I do think, I think there's some great storylines to get into on the season. I do because last look, you are one of the most genuine, passionate, articulate people when it comes to social justice issues in and around the National Hockey League. And Julian, I do want to give you one opportunity here before we delve into the on ice stuff, just to weigh in on, on like on maybe what was your initial reaction? It was outsports.com that had it first. Yeah. What was your initial reaction when you saw these play itself out? Like, did, like what went through your mind? I, I was on my flight to Chicago, uh, to Pittsburgh here, and I saw it on my phone. And I just, I mean, honestly, I rolled my eyes. Like, I'm not, I've written this before. At some point, you kind of run out of outrage. You run out of like, you know, you're just never surprised anymore. Like, you expect the worst. This league has taught us to expect the worst from it. Because it just never seems to come through. It never seems to do the right thing. It never has the backbone. This is caving to like seven homophobes. That's what this is. The entire NHL has caved to about seven homophobes in this league. To now to the point where players aren't allowed to express a positive thing to the fan base. That's where we're at. And I heard you guys, I, I picked up the end of your conversation. God, that's, I just tweeted the same thing. I want a revolt. I want players to go out there and do the damn tape, not even on pride nights. Just put the damn tape on any night and say, screw you, find me. I dare you to find me. And then if they do get fined, they, you know, shame the NHL into donating that fine money towards causes that are, you know, uh, for the LGBTQ plus community. Like the, the, the overwhelming majority of the league and the overwhelming majority of Canada and the United States is not homophobic. Like, I honestly believe that. We've reached a point in our society where we're past this shit. We're past this shit. And the NHL thinks it's still 2005 here. Just shame the league. Make the league do something. I want to see the Zoomers, like the teenagers, the uh, you know the guys Connor Bedard's age and Kevin Korchinski's age. I want to see them come out and say, no, nah, no, no, no. We played with Luke Prokop. This is ridiculous. Like, we're not going to sit here and, and, and abide by these rules. And then I want the teams to pay those fines. I want Danny Wirtz to pay the fine for those kids. That's what I want to see. That's how you affect change is if the younger generation steps up and says, this is stupid. This is awful. And I'm not going to abide by it. That's what I want to see. We won't see it because this is hockey. But that's what I want to see. I mean, the fact I still think the fact that we were, we're in this place to begin with where so many, like we expect hockey players to fall in line and some players stepped out of line. If that could happen, I genuinely, I genuinely believe the opposite could happen. I genuinely think someone is going to do something. I, I maybe well, we always I'm, talk I'm, about how like, I don't know. It's bad. It's bad in hockey to stand out and do the, and, and, and put yourself out there. Well, seven people did it. And now the that's entire literally why we're rumbling in this. Around some it. people felt emboldened to do yeah. this and want to step out of line. That's literally why this happened. This is the hill. They decide to die. on. I hope every fan brings a rainbow flag every single time the stall brothers are playing. That's what I hope. Yeah. Ooh, anyway, ooh, I get that. Yeah. I, I like I said, it, it's unfortunate just, that it's. I'm sick of this conversation. Aren't you sick of this it, conversation? It's sick of yeah, it, but it's we can't embarrassing stop to be a right? hockey fan. It's yeah. embarrassing, but we can't gloss over it and just right. We no, have no, no, to keep no, talking about it. And but it's embarrassing that we have to keep doing this. I know. This. I know. It, We're it, going it, backwards. I, I, you're right, man. Truly, you're wrong. absolutely right. We're it, seeing other. Le- we're seeing all these other leagues be progressive and 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 show interest in fans that are not bald white dudes. And then the league does this. It's just, it's just, it's so infuriating. It's just, yeah. and it's just disheartening because we just, you know, we because all love this game love the so league. much. That's we love this you, game so much and the yeah. league makes it so hard to do it. Yeah. We want to talk. Here's the thing. I want to talk about positive stories. I yeah. want to talk about cool stuff. I want to talk more about what's good for the league. And, 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 and as Ian brought up before, when we were just talking amongst ourselves, like I, I would have loved to have put more of a focus on Scott Lawton and and JVR taking time out of their day to be with members of the LGBTQ community and being inclusive. Those stories should get more oxygen. And they weren't like allowed. They're not, but they're not allowed. It's just, just... anyway, anyway, I'm glad we were able to get Blas to talk about this. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Just wind them up. Here he goes. You are in Pittsburgh, presumably at a Marriott hotel, because that's of how. Of course, I'm in a dimly lit Marriott. Yes. Yeah. And so, 
uh, at the dimly lit afternoon. Like, what is what is the weather like? I didn't want to open the windows because I thought it would be like weird backlighting. But this is why I'm not a podcast producer or a television. This is why I'm a writer. Let's be honest. Yeah. No, you can't open. If you open the blinds, it's going to look like you're in the witness protection program. That's what I was worried about. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll leave that. But you're in there. It's Chicago. It's Pittsburgh. It's Eric Carlson's debut in a Penguins jersey. That's exciting. But I think Connor Bedard is going to take up a lot of uh, uh, the uh, the focus tonight. So give us a sense of like kind of the excitement level in Chicago amongst Chicago fans as it pertains to Bedard making his debut tonight. Well, well I think you can you can really judge uh, how big an event is by by the press. Frankly, I mean, I you know we know that money is tight for all press now. Well, the Chicago contingent here today, it's like back when they were in the Stanley Cup final, like. There are like four local TV stations that sent reporters here. There's, oh, wow. you know, uh, seven or eight, nine, ten writers that are here, and there's usually three or four of us tops. Like this is a big, big deal. It's, it's. These are lean times in Chicago. The Cubs just completely collapsed. The Sox are a disaster. The Bears are just the Bears, and the Bulls are just they're nothing. They're just mediocre mess. So this is right now the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks who were like the worst story in all of pro sports for the last couple of years are suddenly like Chicago's shining light. And it's all because of this, you know, child man who's like with this team right now, this just turned 18 year old who's, you know, he's, he's on every billboard in Chicago, his jerseys everywhere. We see hundreds of fans wearing 98 jerseys now at practices on a weekday when people should be at work. Like this is a really, really big deal. And it's funny, you know, you mentioned Eric Carlson. That's a huge deal. He's one of the biggest stars in the league. Nobody's talking about him. You know, Kevin Korchinski, he was the number seven pick in the draft two years ago. He is supposed to be like the Blackhawks' next Duncan Keith. He is a huge, massive tentpole prospect for them. He's making his debut tonight, and everyone's like, yeah, whatever. We don't care. We're talking about Connor Bedard. Yeah. Like, this is a really, really big deal in Chicago. Can I know what it's like uh, from your vantage point just talking to Connor? Like, this is like seeing him on billboards, seeing him get that attention, seeing him. On all those scrums, he was on the Pat McAfee show the other day. Yeah. Like, I see this kid. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah, is is you know he the personality is what it is, and we know how hockey personalities are. And I still don't know if it's just he's just so much of a hockey person that like what personality could be there has been kind of dried out, or if it's just that he's just a teenager and he's still figuring this all out. So I would love to know your impressions of talking to him and trying to get to know him and and just what he's like. It's hard to say so far because it's literally all scrums because there's so many people at every practice right now. I, I flew to D.C. for the uh, Rookie Showcase, that Upper Deck event, just so I could get a one-on-one with him. That's the only – I got like 15, 20 minutes when it was great. And that's like the only chance I've really had. So, you know, when we get to Denver next week, maybe it'll be a little quieter. Later in the – you know, we try to travel to Florida and Tampa Bay. You know, the Chicago contingent's going to die out. They'll just be the kind of core writers. I think that's when we'll really get to know them. But – even over the course of training camp, like when I talked to him at that rookie showcase, I was like September 5th. Uh, he was a tough nut to crack. Very pleasant, polite young man, but just didn't want to say a whole lot. But over the course of camp, <clears throat> at least with us, you know, he's starting to, he's starting to recognize us, like, I, I suppose. He's getting a little looser. He's having a little more fun. He's cracking a joke here and there. You know, he's, uh, you know, so little things like, like today, someone asked just a, a really strange question about, you know, have you gone and looked up what other top prospects did in their first games? And does that put pressure on you? And he goes, you know, I think only a couple of them have scored four goals in a game talking about Austin Matthews. Like, mm. he's like, it's like, I don't have to really worry about that. Like, that's not how this goes. And it's like little things like that where he cracks a joke here and there a couple of weeks ago, he, you know, he started talking about how he's learning to cook on his own and how he FaceTimes his mom. And then like, Someone followed up on it because like they were looking for desperately looking for a lead of some sort. And he basically goes, I don't know why I said that. I'm just trying to say something up here. You know, <laughs> so it's like like he's having a little bit of he's he's getting a little looser, he's getting a little more comfortable. I mean, it's there's a lot of cliches and there's a lot of, you know, he's a he's been doing this since he was 14. He has been in scrum since he was 14 years old. That is weird. That is unusual. But so he's very good at it. He's very good at saying the right thing, but not really saying anything, which is a skill and it's like an acquired skill. But he's loosening up. And I, I I think, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day about this. I, I see that he could be like a Patrick Kane type down the road with media where you're like he will be able to talk knowledgeably on literally every single player in the league. Like you could go up to Patrick Kane and say, what do you think about the uh, second penalty killing unit about the Minnesota Wild? And he'll tell you all the changes they've made and why it's working. Like I could see Connor Bedard is such a hockey nerd 
that I could see him filling that role where he becomes a very useful quote and an interesting guy to talk to because he's just so knowledgeable about the league. But right now he's he's got his guard up and I don't really blame him, but it's it's coming down, you know, bit by bit. But until he gets to Montreal and Toronto this week, then Oh yeah, there's no chance. Yeah, there's they, no, yeah, no chance. Oh, Thank God he doesn't God. speak French, right? He's gonna be oh, inundated when he rolls in. Hey, let's talk a little bit about the expectations for him, Laz, because uh, you know, we're we're putting him on the same pedestal as we did for the McDavid's, the Crosby's when they came in. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, like, what's a realistic range of points that we should put on on Bedard? Like is it 60 to 80? Is it 75 to 90? Is it more than that? Less than that? Like what, what should a realistic expectation be for this young man going into this rookie season? It's funny. This morning alone, I read three different stories. I was, you know, we're all making our bold predictions, right? Yeah. And I saw somebody had him at over a hundred points, which nobody's done since Crosby. Um, Somebody (laughs) had him at not had below 50. Said it wasn't really, the team is too bad. He's not going to even score 50. And then most people have him in that 60 to 60 to 75 range, I think. I think he's going to be a point-a-game player. I think the, the league is so high scoring right now. Like a point-a-game, you know, what Crosby did in, in, in 05-06 is absolutely insane. With how low scoring the league was and what a garbage team he walked onto, like to do what he did was ridiculous. There's a reason he's one of the four greatest players that have ever lived. Uh, Crosby is coming, or uh, Bedard is coming into a much higher scoring era. Yeah. He's coming onto a pretty bad team, but he's going to have Taylor Hall on one wing. And on his right wing, you might have Ryan Donato, who's got 30 goals over the last two years. Uh, it could be Taylor Radish, who's coming off a 20 goal season. Tyler Johnson, who's a very unselfish player. Could be Lucas Reichel, the other uh, first round pick that's, that, that's, that's cracking the league now. And he's a great puck retriever and a good playmaker, and he can score goals. I think there's a lot of points to be had out there. He's on the first power play unit, he's on the half wall, Patrick Kane's old spot. Uh, He's got Corey Perry in front of the net, one of the great net fund presences the league's known. I think there's going to be a lot of points out there for him to get. I mean, I think an 80-point season is entirely reasonable. I don't know if that's unfair to say, but I think – I mean, look how many – there was like – how many point-a-game guys in the league were there last year? There was like 15, 20 point-a-game yeah. guys last year. Like, that's where the league is going, and Connor Bedard has all these skills. He's not just a great shot. I think he's going to have more assists than he has goals. Like, we're all talking about his shot. But the shot is hard in the NHL. It's hard to score goals. But he is, you know, the play. He's a playmaker too. Like that's what I've been most impressed during the preseason is the passes he can make, the things he sees, the anticipation he has. I think he's going to have a lot of points this year. Team's going to be awful. Like that's the goal. The goal is yeah. for Connor Bedard to score a lot of points and for the Blackhawks to get another top five pick. That's like the ideal Kyle Davidson scenario right now. So what about the idea that Connor Bedard is already like a top 50 player? It's one thing to look at his statistical projections, but what about player rankings? Like I mean, the, the player tiers that we have, he's, he's in there. He hasn't played an NHL game, but we at the athletic have the, have him in a pretty high tier. Like well, what we're, do you just think guess, we're just guessing, right? I mean, nobody knows for sure. We, we never know how this is going to translate. You know, people called Alexi Lafreniere a generational prospect. Google it, Google his name and the word generational. We never know for sure what these guys are going to be, right? So it's people who know the game better than I do making projections. And there are, you know, analytical things you can do that can, how does this in the June, in, in the Western Hockey League tend to translate to the NHL and you do the math and there's ways to project, but that's all it is, is a projection. It's entirely possible that he is a top 50 player. I think most people probably think he's going to be. I think he's probably going to be because if he scores 80 points, he's a top 50 player. The question is, is he going to be a top five player? Is he going to be a top three player very soon? Is he going to be Connor McDavid, Nathan? Is it going to be McDavid, McKinnon, Matthews, Bedard? Is that going to be the modern day Mount Rushmore for forwards? You don't have Kachuk in that Mount Rushmore? You get to, there's a lot of great, but Jason Robertson's one, maybe my favorite player in the league to watch. Like there's a lot of guys you can put in that list, but I think that right now that trio of McDavid, Matthews and McKinnon, they're kind of separated. Everybody thinks of them differently. That's like right. Kachuk, Kachuk was high on my heart ballot last year, but does that mean he's he's valuable and best or not the same thing, right? Devils, so, Devils fans are screaming at I their, love uh, Jack their devices. I love you Jack guys. Hughes in our league. I, my, first Jack round Hughes my first round Jack, pick was Jack Hughes. Yeah, Jack Hughes is. Uh, I think he's going to have an MVP season. I think he's going to be the MVP. He's this phenomenal. Year. I, I, he's, and, and, he's incredible. And when people people try to, you know, that's one of the things about Bedard is they say, oh, he's too little. He's going to struggle going in like Jack Hughes did. I saw Jack Hughes as a rookie. He weighed about 16 pounds. Like he was a little boy, right? Con- Connor Bedard is thick. 
he's got those Popeye forearms, and he is a sturdy young man. He's five nine and three quarters, but you cannot knock him over very easily. Like he's gonna, he's 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 gonna be able to hold up. Hey, before before we let you go here, Laz, um, you mentioned Chicago's ideal scenario this year. Bedard racks up a bunch of points, becomes like the marketing kid. They still finish bottom five. We're, we're way past the marketing part. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's a question for you. In our preseason writers poll, we picked kind of all sorts of things. And we chose who's going to finish dead last. And the San Jose Sharks were a runaway favorite. Yep. Like I think 90% of us that voted out of the 30-some-odd writers that participated – 90% of us took San Jose as the team to finish dead last. Is there any scenario in which you see Chicago finishing below San Jose? Or is there any team that you think will be there with San Jose at the bottom of the standings? It's Chicago, it's entirely possible they'll be in the ring. Remember, this is basically this team has been completely gutted, right? You're going to have three to four rookies on the back, on the back end every single night. You know, you're counting on an injury-prone Peter Mrazek and an unproven Arvid Soderblom as your goalies. Um, they don't have Kane. They don't have Taze. They don't have Jake McCabe. Like, they've given away a lot of their best players over the last year. Uh, yes, you added Taylor Hall. Good player, sure. You add Connor Bedard, great. But we don't know what Kevin Korczynski can do. We don't know what Wyatt Kaiser can do. We don't know what Alex Vlasic can do. We don't know what Lucas Reichel can do. Like, this, I feel like the range for the Blackhawks is very high right now. Like, they, they're, they're not going to be a playoff team. Certainly not. But they could be – they had 59 points last year. 59. They could be in the 70s this year. Totally reasonable. They could be in the 50s again. Totally reasonable. So they'll, they will they very well could be in the hunt for that, that last spot. I don't think they will be. I think they'll be like third, fourth, fifth, worst, worst to last, which it's fine. You, 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 they were third to last last year, and it turned out okay for them. Wow. Okay. Well, listen, before we let you go, let's get a Laz restaurant recommendation. When in hey. Pittsburgh – and you can't say Permanti Brothers because that's too obvious and that's too yeah. lame. Uh, and and by the way, I just killed the any chances of, of us getting a Permanti Brothers sponsorship. Uh, I just single-handed on a, on a yeah. sandwich is just disgusting. Yeah. It's not good. Uh, I, I, don't mind it. I, don't, I don't like. I don't mind it. Okay, where's the place Laz hits up? If any f- listeners are going to go to Pittsburgh this year, watch a game. What's your go-to place? You know, it's been so long since I've been. It's been I, this is my first time here since pre-COVID. And I don't know a lot. Like I lived in this, like I covered the Penguins my first yeah. job out of college, but I lived in the Burbs. I was working in the Burbs. Like I could tell you to go to Jay's Sports Bar in Cannonsburg or Brothers Pizza in Washpaw. But uh, up here, you know, a, a few of us went out to this place called Bourbon and Bridges last night. And uh, that was a good dinner. That was, I enjoyed that a lot. So uh, let's go with Bourbon and Bridges. Uh, bring your wallet because it's not cheap. I'm already hurting. Wallet. Mm. Okay. Okay, what a great right. piece of advice uh, for going we'll out. Spend your money, everybody. Bring I'm, your I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to expense that one. Let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> Very nice. Hey, all the best. Hey, thanks for dropping by. This is our oh, first uh, season opening episode, and great to have you on board. I know you're going to be dropping by a lot this season. So thanks for dropping by. Looking forward to your coverage of uh, the Bedard debut, and uh, I'm sure we'll get you again on here real soon. All right, guys. Always fun. All right. There goes Mark Lazarus. A.K.A. Soy Boy, A.K.A. Oh, no, I'm not allowed to say the other thing. But Yeah, I don't uh, know. <laughs> one of the I didn't want us to get dudes. in trouble, but yeah. uh, we're new territory yeah. on, on, great, on the live shows, man. So you, you got to be careful. You got to be careful with that. But he was great. I, I, I really appreciate having uh, – We all, it was always, it's always great having uh, Laz on with us, and it was very timely, obviously, with what's going on with the Pride stuff, but it was cool with – it's cool that he was able to speak on Conor Bedard. And look, I mean, I'm going to try my best to watch as much of the game as I can. Like, that is – that is, I'm glad that the NHL yeah. saw it within them to start the season with that matchup. Like that is some, that is really cool to see uh, a gener, a, a player that we think of as generational go up against the guy that we we definitely know is generational. But don't you remember what the hype was like around Sidney Crosby? This was like 20 years ago. We were looking at him at his games at Rimouski in the in the in the queue and starts with with the Pittsburgh Penguins and what he was going to be like, like. That's like the first NHL player I could think of where in terms of like a prospect, in terms of the hype around him, Crosby's probably the first player I could think of, at least in North America, like watching stories about him before he even gets into the league. Like Ovechkin obviously had that hype before, but I don't think I don't think he got that same amount of attention and love before entering the league that Sidney Crosby did, especially in Canada. 
the guy for me was Eric Lindros growing up. Like Lindros in the early 90s, Julian, was and, – and got to remember, this was an era before social media and before – like it was even before 24-7 talk radio. It was mm-hmm. basically just TV. But Eric Lindros was larger than life. And when he refused to be drafted by Quebec and then, you know, he still played for Team Canada. Think about this. The 1991 Canada Cup was a best-on-best tournament. And Eric Lindros made Team Canada as, a, as I think, an 18-year-old. Played with the best players on the planet. So with Messier, with Gretzky, with whoever else was on that team. He was there. He was that good as a teenager. Like, the, I guess the same question would be asked. If we had a best-on-best Team Canada tomorrow, is Connor Bedard on that team? Like, think about it. When, yeah. And I know you, I know your answer is going to be like, I'd like to see him play. We never saw Lindros play against NHL. They just parachuted him into that tournament. Do you think Bedard makes the team? Best on best? Right, tomorrow. When, tomorrow? Uh, Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m., they're doing a best on best. Is Connor Bedard on, on Team Canada? I'm inclined to say no, because we haven't seen him play. And there are other guys on Team Canada who will probably take his spot, who coaches might say is a bit more proven. But that also depends on the nature of those teams. Like, I mean, then again, if it's best on best, you're assuming that everyone's going to be there, then I don't know. I mean, tell you what, if that's the closest we're going to get to Crosby McDavid playing together, hell yeah, we're going to get that. I think Connor Bedard, at the very least, uh, <laughs> do you keep him as like a 13th forward? Do you, do you, ha- I think Connor Bedard is taxi squad. I think Connor Bedard is taxi squad, taxi squad, and then like he, he steps up, maybe it gets a game in or something. At the just, I'm, I'm not saying he's not talented enough to play on a best on best. It's just, I don't know. I think, I think if Team Canada is directing it to what, like what they've done in years past with younger players, like, I mean, Sidney Crosby wasn't on the 06 team. In 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 Torino, he was a, right? he was a taxi squad though, wasn't he? He was a taxi squad. I, that's my you, point. Like he, you know what I think they, the taxi squad was for 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 the Turin Olympics. I this is off the top of my head. I think it was Sidney Crosby. I think it was Jason Spezza. Jason Spezza was a taxi. Squad. I think it was Brian McCabe. Good lord, wow. I'm pretty sure. Can somebody Jeez. look that up? We'll get our maybe one of our producers, Christian Daniel. Google search. Canada 2006 Olympics taxi squad. Tell me if Brian McCabe's name comes back. And 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 was the fact that Cross was a taxi squad guy on that on that team. That's that's my thinking with it because history has shown that even if a a young super talented player has like a year or two in, like Team Canada might still hold off on having them in the lineup. So my thinking is, if we had a best on best tournament tomorrow at best Connor Bedard is a taxi squad guy not because he isn't talented but because of how Canada normally does things when it comes to building those tournaments yeah yeah it's a good point we'll get the answer to that here uh shortly you know I was re- what was your surprise level one to ten one being I wasn't surprised ten was wow I'm shocked Winnipeg signs Connor Hellebuck Mark Shifley to matching Seven-year, $8.5 million deals on uh, on Sunday. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was stunned. I, I was stunned. I, I, I think I was a full 10. More or less because I thought the both of those players would be gone, whether now or whether by the end of the year or at least next summer at the very least. I think Connor Hellebuck with the way the goalie market is and how teams are, are set with salary gap-wise – I envisioned a scenario where Connor Hellebuck ends up staying the year and then they figure it out in the offseason. But I was surprised that Winnipeg opted to keep those guys around. And since then, um, I, I, I realize now that for a team like Winnipeg that wants to be competitive and wants bums in the seats, it, 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 it is to their best interest to be as competitive as possible. Uh, but at the same time, like I don't know if this team is better than a handful of teams in their own conference. Like I'm thinking like an Edmonton. I'm thinking of a Vegas, a Colorado, a Dallas. Those are four teams I just mentioned who I think right now I would take them over the Vegas Golden Knights. Calgary's at a bit of a similar spot with the Winnipeg Jets. 
And I mean, if everyone's going off on the 8.5 mil, wait until Elias Lindholm eventually signs. If that ends up being the case, I think it will be. But like, I I wait until people see what money comes out of that. But all that to say, like, I, I think with the Winnipeg Jets and, and what they're doing, as much as it is going to keep them competitive, I'm really curious about whether or not it'll work out in the end. I'm, I, I was shocked about it. I thought they'd be gone. I don't know what's going to lead to. I'm with you. I was a 10 out of 10 shock. By the way, uh, Danielle and Chris, our, our terrific producers, have done some digging for us. Found that Brian McCabe was a taxi squad guy. Jason Spezza was a taxi squad guy. We can't seem to find Crosby on the taxi squad. I don't know why. Well, I know he wasn't Eric, on that team. Eric Stahl that's for sure. is wow. coming up as the taxi, taxi squad guy. Stahl and scored Stahl. 50 that year, I think, right? For yeah, Carolina. He had, he had a really... I think he scored 50 and they won the cup that year. Tell you, that so, was when. Makes sense. I mean, imagine having a team so stacked that a f- guy that would score 50 install doesn't play, and a guy like Crosby who gets 100 points as a rookie doesn't play. He's not on your team. That's wild. Yeah, and uh, having a team that got so stacked that they didn't even medal that year. I couldn't tell you one thing about the 2006 Olympics at all. Like, other than I know Sweden won. Yes. I, I couldn't tell you anything. I Like, what's the memorable moment from Turin? What's the thing that's etched in your mind as a listener? Love to hear from you on this. Switzerland beat Canada that year. That's like one thing I think i remember and almost every other time since uh like anytime i see canada switzerland meeting up in anything in men's hockey i think oh canada better not overestimate them because they lost in 06 like that is like the one thing i sort of remember did martin gerber like outdo like did he was he the guy martin gerber would have had i mean i think he was well if it's 06 martin gerber would have been in carolina at that point he would have been their starting goalie so this might have well he would. It would have been around the time he was still the starter, or around yeah. the time Cam Ward would have supplanted him. Um, I think Cam yeah, Ward like, just supplanted him in the playoffs. He did supplant was, him in the playoffs. That was Gerber's that, team all year. Yeah, Carolina kept beating up on Montreal all year, and then uh, Montreal had like a series lead on them, and then Cam Ward came out of nowhere, and the rest was history I, for the Carolina. The Habs were up two nothing, weren't they? Yeah, and Saku Koivu got a stick in the eye from from Justin Williams. Yeah, man, you know, I, I love how our podcast, a core memory for me just, for the 06 playoffs. Unlocked. Wow. Julian's childhood comes rushing back. You know, that scene in Ratatouille where the, the critic is eating the, the, the <laughs> Ratatouille and all the childhood memories come rushing back. Yeah. That's you yeah. with the 06 playoffs. It's all <laughs> it is all coming back to you. What other thing back. about the one other thing about the 06 playoffs that I just want to mention that is relatable to today. How many times have you seen people say that the Stanley Cup final matchup will essentially be a rematch of the 2006 Stanley yes, Cup final? Yes, Carolina. I've seen a lot of people say that Edmonton, Carolina will be the Stanley Cup final matchup this year. And I thought I was being unique when I first thought of that. But seeing everyone else come up with it, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, are we all like, I've never seen so many people be so unanimous on that finals matchup. You know what's and 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 I probably I think that's what I picked too, Carolina Edmonton. The only time we've had a repeat, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think the only time we've had a repeat in the finals in the cap era was the back-to-back Detroit Pittsburgh years, right? We've that's we've never had people. another combination, have we? Of of like of teams like LA played the the, the Rangers and the Devils and, and Chicago. Right, they had Philly Chicago and they had Boston. Philly, they beat Tampa, and they Tampa. They beat Boston. So, and Tampa had Tampa's the weirdest. Tampa had Dallas. And Tampa Montreal. had Montreal, which we'll never have again. We will never have two Eastern Conference teams and Colorado. We will never have a Tampa Montreal Stanley Cup final. I mean, maybe never say never, but like the fact that you know, I thought about that yesterday. Like Tampa Bay Montreal was a Stanley Cup final. Like that's not possible in the current like, form of the NHL. Twenty five months ago or whatever. Now, like it's not that long like, ago. Dude, like, it was the weirdest thing. And, like, people weren't allowed to watch. I can't wait until we all grow old and we have to tell our kids and grandkids, hey, I remember covering uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs in the middle of a pandemic. And, uh, yeah, you know why uh, the Montreal Canadiens have 
have the Western Conference uh, trophy in their trophy cupboard? Yeah, because there were no such things as as conferences that year. Like we were, we just we just let everyone just do their thing that year. Like it was, it it's gonna be a wild time explaining to people in a couple years what that was like. I appreciate you when you say, "Imagine when we get old." I'm like, uh, well, I just told a story of Eric Lindros in the pre-social media age. Okay, so. I've already reached that point. By the way, Sidney Crosby technically was like in the infant. <laughs> my story was in the infancy of social yeah. media. Like Facebook was like what a year old. Started oh four, yeah, I want to say. I think Facebook was oh five, oh six, somewhere something like that. Like it was just like way, an it, Ivy League thing. Yeah, a little clarification here. Uh, Eric Stoll had a hundred points in oh five, oh six. Not fifty goals. Hundred points. Had forty five goals and a hundred points. That's what. Uh, that's what he had. Hey. One other signing I want to talk about that happened on the weekend. So I'm with you. Really surprised that Hellebuck and Shifley staying because if I could have put money down on it, I would have said one or both were out the door. I think we all felt like Rasmus Dahlin was going to get done in Buffalo. Good for the player, eight times 11. It's an $88 million deal, but that comes with expectations. And so, I mean, do you have to, when you get that money, eight times 11, like, do you have to win a Norris? Or at least be a like kind of a Norris finalist. Is that the bar now? When you get an eight times eleven, you have to be a Norris finalist at some point think, early in this in this contract. Is that is that the bar for Dalini? He's got to be one of the top three because this is a this is a high bar, man. With Kale McCarr, Adam Fox, and Miro Heiskin, and that's just three guys at the top of my head. There's only one other defenseman who is getting paid more money than Rasmus Dalin. Right now, and I believe it is Eric. Is it? It's Eric Carlson, Carlson right? at eleven five, right? Eleven five. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it, at that point, I get that the cap's going to go up, and eventually, other defensemen will make more money. But yeah, I think for Rasmus Dahlin, he has to be among the top three, top five best defensemen in the league. He's got to be up for a Norris. He's probably going to have to win a Norris at some point. But also, uh, to put individual accolades aside, this Buffalo Sabres team over the next eight years, they need a couple cup runs in there. Like, I, I think if it's one thing if Rasmus Dahlin, uh, you know, competes for Norris's every year, but if that Buffalo Sabres team is still sputtering and they can't get to the playoffs or they can't get out of the first round, how are we going to look at that contract? That's ultimately how he's going to get judged. That's how I really think, especially if his contributions are not as significant as they should be. Pick one. I'm going to give you three guys. Mm-hmm. You tell me who's most likely to win a Norris Trophy at some point in their career. Rasmus Dahlin, Rasmus Dahlin, Owen Power, Moritz Sider. You can only pick one. You're like, yeah, that guy's going to win a Norris. I'm inclined to pick Rasmus because of, of how good of a defenseman he is at both ends and how much hockey he's played basically since he was a teenager really like i remember like watching him at like the world juniors like a 16 year old and like he had so much potential and you could tell he's still just trying to get himself adjusted but like this guy has logged a lot of minutes and he's getting better and better and better as the game goes on uh, more Sider, i think otherwise probably would have been my pick i mean he at least had a good start to his career and he's starting to get a little bit more underrated now when you consider some of the other defensemen who have who have come up over the last few years but I, I'm inclined to pick uh, Rasmus. But the fact that the Sabres have both Rasmus Dalina and Owen Power, uh, Owen Power, who I also think will be a stud in the National Hockey League when it's all said and done, that's a really good start for, for the Buffalo Sabres. I know they have yeah. Matias Samuelson locked up too. Uh, I get Maybe you look at the rest of the defense, it could still use a bit of work. But I think having Dalina and Power as part of a defense core, there are so many teams who would fight to have those two cornerstones on defense. That's really good for them. Yeah, they, they have a stack. And they're locked up long-term, too. They're stacked. Yeah. They're stacked. Yeah. Well, pow- they got to get power done, but that, that'll happen, right? Yeah. Like, that'll happen. And and you're laughing. If you're Buffalo, um, you're laughing. Hey, before we wrap up uh, th- this pod, and we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon leading into opening night. So we talked with Laz about Chicago-Pittsburgh. I want to talk about the other two games, and not the games themselves, but the teams involved. And let's start. I'm really fa- Nashville in Tampa is actually going to get the season going. And mm-hmm. am I right on this? Is this a 5:30 start time? 5:30 Eastern time start 
So if it's a 5.30 Eastern time start, that's a 3.30 Mountain time start, which means that if I get done with lunch, I could sit down. No, I, I think it is. It's a like that's amazing. Why, why are they playing a game at five thirty? Are they wait? Are they are they? They're in North America. They're not in Europe or anything like that. It's not a global series game. It's not a global series matchup. I don't think they're playing. Even if they were playing in Dublin, that would be at ten p.m. in Dublin or where. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's a weird time. Five thirty p.m. It's a five thirty start time is what I saw listed. And. Is- do they just want to get a jump on people leaving work? Or? I think they just wanted a triple header, right? I um, guess. But I think I, I it, guess. that's the 530 game. 8 o'clock is Chicago-Pittsburgh, and then the late game is Seattle-Vegas. Um, but Okay, just we'll, we'll strip aside the weird start time for a second. Mm-hmm. There might not be two more interesting teams in the league than Nashville and Tampa from a, man, I don't know how this is going to go perspective yeah which team are you more certain of where they're going to end up this year nashville or tampa i i I still the thing with tampa with me they've accrued so much credibility in terms of being a good team in terms of their playoff runs in terms of the quality of players that they have that i'm not prepared to bet against them yeah. Even if they they're not going to have their best goalie for the foreseeable future, like I still expect for them to find a stopgap. And even if the goaltending is not perfect, I still think the players they have in front of 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 Jonas Johansson uh, will still end up being good enough to keep them afloat. Really, for Tampa Bay, you've done all this work over the last how many years to get to Stanley Cup Finals, try to make the playoffs. You don't need a division title. You don't need uh, to necessarily fight for for something that Toronto might end up winning, or hey, yep. maybe Buffalo surprises everybody and they end up being the division winner. But if you're Tampa Bay, you are fine with just making sure your guys are healthy, taking it easy here and there, getting your wins when you can get them, and making the playoffs however you can get in. Because you know, if everyone's at full strength and you have the right team to do it, no matter where you are seated, people will fear your team and you will be one to be reckoned with. So I think if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning. I can't tell you exactly where in the standings, but I could tell you there'll be a playoff team. Nashville, I'm a bit more uncertain about. It seemed like they were going to tear down. They tore, they tore it down at the deadline last year, and they still almost made the playoffs. And then you look at the Central Division, and I mentioned Minnesota. I mentioned Dallas. I mentioned Colorado. I don't know if they're good enough to be a playoff team when you account for some of the other teams in the Pacific. I don't know if you see I, I love UC Saros as a goalie and I hope he gets Vezina consideration this year. I don't know if that's going to be enough to put them in a position where they could make the playoffs. I can't tell you where they maybe they just miss, I guess, but like I I'm not as sure about where they're play where they could be placed compared to where Tampa is. And a lot of that has to do with reputation. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And you know, it's kind of nutty. John Cooper's never won the Jack Adams as best coach in the league. And he's a guy that, you know what 2019 took them to 62 wins back-to-back Stanley cups, another trip to the final. Like he's done four trips to the finals and all sorts of regular season success. He's never won a Jack Adams. I'm going to submit this as a bold prediction. I think that guy's going to get a lot of love for Jack Adams this year. It'll be like the first time people might be like, Ooh, John Cooper's a good coach. Like, Which is like, wild because we've always thought that about John I know, Cooper. But we've never, always thought he was a good coach. I know. I But I'm with you. I'm very reluctant to bet against Stamkos, Point, Kucherov, Hedman, and you know, go down the list. Those are some real elite players. They might be at the tail end of their prime, but they're still in their prime. And they're all I, coming I, off a long off-season layoff. Yeah, like, remember like, those guys were done in the first round after that loss to Toronto. They have a few more. They had a few more weeks to recuperate. Brandon Hagel's good. Nick Paul's good. Like they got. I know they're thin. They're not what they were two years ago. No. But that's a good team. And and maybe we'll get the answer to how they respond to without Vasilevsky, and and we'll know. But I I think they're 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 too good. Nashville is fascinating to me. It it's like they went and got Ryan O'Reilly and they got like they're 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 almost in a win now. 
scenario with some of the so moves. So strange they because it looked like they were because it looked like they were doing yeah. the opposite, and yeah, they yeah. genuinely took steps to do that. And then when they realized their young players that they had found a way to get them almost within striking. Well, no, 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 they were within striking distance of a playoff spot last season. They just decided, all right, cool, we're doubling down this core, we're going for it. But I just don't know. And I, I'm happy. I would be happy to be wrong. I just don't know if they're better than at least three teams in that division. Yeah. And when you account for some of the other wild card teams, like I don't see Seattle missing the playoffs this year, unless the goaltending really is bad. But like I don't see them missing. And, and if they miss, well, if they don't miss, like, and if Calgary gets in there too, and if LA gets in there too, where are you slotting? Where are you slotting Nashville in all this? So okay, so that's interesting because that takes us to the last game of the night, which is the. Seattle Kraken, who had a just a remarkable punched above their weight, surprised a lot of people playoff year last year in their second year in the league, and the defending Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights. I was going to ask you which of those two teams takes a bigger step back this year, only because they reached, it felt like they both reached the pinnacle of what they could accomplish last year, right? Seattle not only made the playoffs, they won a round. Nobody saw that coming. Vegas wins the cup. To me, there's almost like there's no room to go up for either of them. But is there a room for Seattle to go up, you think? Like, I guess my point is, do you see a scenario where Seattle wins two playoff rounds? No, I, I don't. I don't see that. I, I, I think for Seattle, I think the success that they got last year was really great. But in terms of the quality of the roster, in terms of the young players that they have and what they want to do with them, I still see a franchise that still wants to hum along and continue to build itself out before they could really be taken seriously as a true contender. It's a bit different. Like maybe I think you could spot the similarity with New Jersey where they've also accumulated some talent, but they had a really good round, really good showing last year and they made it to the second round. And it seems like that cup window for them is slowly starting to be open, but that's because of some of the other veterans that have joined too. Getting guys like a Timo Meyer, Jack Hughes looking like an MVP candidate. Seattle, I don't see that same quality of players, but the fact that they're balanced as a team and they have quickness and pace, and Matty Badiers is still growing as a player, the fact that they were able to make the playoffs last year, I feel like they have a good chance at making it again. So I could see them taking a step forward. As for Vegas, you know, they go through the cup run. They still have a good chunk of those players. Who did they really lose from that team last year? They traded away Riley Smith. Riley uh, Smith was the main, main, main piece, right? That, that. Basically, right? Like, Phil Kessel didn't even play most m- much of the playoffs. Like, this is still the same, more or less the same team that found a way to be as dominant as they were in the postseason. I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on the Vegas Golden Knights, to be honest with you. Even as, as soon as the, the confetti started flying and they were celebrating yeah. the Stanley Cup, Betting odds didn't even have them as the favorite to repeat. And I understand it's very difficult to repeat in the, as a Stanley Cup champion in the NHL. But, like, Vegas is a really good team from top to bottom. They have an elite number one center. They have an elite number one defenseman. And we've seen in the playoffs, you don't necessarily need the goalie. You need a goalie. And Aiden Hill looks like he's going to be that guy. Like, I don't think Vegas necessarily needs to win their division uh, to be considered this, like, formidable opponent like Edmonton's probably going to win that division but they're a really tough out for anybody and unless injuries really plague them I don't I don't know if I'm picking against them I still have to really think about what my cup final matchup will be but I I, I, I'm just a bit surprised that people don't think this Vegas team could repeat I think they were really excellent last year and I think they have what it takes to do it again let's wrap up the uh, the pod here to open the season by opening up the mailbag and a reminder to the viewers and the listeners, we love to hear from you. The Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. The Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. So last week, Julian, we talked about how the NFL had, I think it was Atlanta, Jacksonville did a Toy Story game. The yes. players were animated. And the NHL toyed around with this. They did Big City Greens. And we said uh, the league has to try something. And we, we discussed the Lion King at one point. And frozen, uh, frozen. Uh, I got a couple emails here on that. Vincent in Montreal writes into the show, Ian and Julian, regarding your debate last week about what would be the best animated series or movie as an NHL game, there's only one choice The Simpsons. 
It's now owned by Disney, so no issues over at ESPN, the most popular cartoon in the world, uh, which would not only reach young fans, but casual ones too. Plus, they're human-like, so easy to use for hockey. Just imagine Brad Marchand as Bart Simpson, Trevor Zegras as crusty Leon Dreisaitl as Rainier Wolfcastle. Possibilities oh <laughs> are endless. Personally, I want to see the goalie tied up with ropes like Milhouse. Of course, you could have Kent Brockman describing the game. I can't think of a better idea than that. I'll let you two debate. And to paraphrase from Homer Simpson, Season 6, Episode 8. Don't go easy on each other because you're colleagues. I want to see you both fighting, fighting for the love of your listeners. Fight, 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 fight. Oh if, I had, uh, if I had lights, I would turn them on and off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that scene. Fight, fight, fight. I love the Simpsons. I would love, like the Simpsons, I would, I would fight tooth and nail to watch uh, that game and, and even cover that story, to be quite honest with you. I would fight tooth, tooth and nail uh, to cover a Simpsons branded NHL game. Like, I think that for me, that's my favorite. That might be my favorite cartoon of all time, if I'm really thinking about it. The Simpsons, just a brilliant, hilarious but, but show. Only the later, the like, later, like ten seasons, seasons five in. through ten. I mean, even the earlier seasons, you get like basically one through ten. I think it's just a perfect, incredible, hilarious show. And maybe you're right if you're being more specific. Five through ten, you get some of the funniest memes that have come from it that we still use today. Some funny quotes, uh, some funny stuff like like. Well, I love like going on YouTube. And finding like a 15 second clip from just a scene like Milhouse's dad getting fired from like the Cracker Factory. And he's like, so after 20 years, so long, good luck. 17 years, so long, good luck. I don't don't recall saying good luck. (laughs) Like, I would love that. So to put that in HL form, I would love that. Um, I wonder... Oh man, I I I just I'm biased being a Simpsons fan. I have a Homer Simpson onesie. I would I would love it. You know what we need to do? We'll we'll outsource this to listeners. Maybe they can help us out. Again, the athletic hockey show at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us, uh, Ian Mendes, Julian McKenzie with you here. Um, could you is it possible? Could you make a full lineup? 12 forward, 60, whatever. And players' last names are the same last names as characters in the in the Simpsons. Meaning, like a skit, like Jeff Skinner would work, right? For Seymour Skinner. Like you get a Skinner. Obviously, there would be Simpsons. Are we are we using are we using current day players? Or are we using every player? Anything. In the, of the whole thing. There's a McBain, right? Andrew McBain played, so yes. there's a McBain. Uh, Brock Nelson. Nelson yes. would work. So, so I so wonder. It, so it doesn't matter if it's the first name or last name. It's anything. Just, Could you make okay. a full roster of play, like Simpsons characters? Oh, oh man. wow! Si- Our producer Chris just drops in. Oh my god! I want to do this. Can we can we try to find this out? Well, let's figure it out. Oh my god! Because I remember there was a game one time. I feel there was a game. Oh, where Carl like 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 Carl and Lenny. Lenny His last name is Carlson, so you could do like John Carlson. Carl, it's Carl Carlson. Yeah, apparently that's his name. Yeah. Oh, dude, we're doing this. Oh my god, Burns. Yes, yes, you could totally Guys, do it. This oh is my that was God. from Danielle. Do we know of any Leonard's? Do we know of any Leonard's? Because Lenny's last name is Leonard, or just it's Lenny. Lenny Leonard and Carl Carlson. I mean, it makes sense. You just it, you have to make those. How do they not have good. Pete Peters in there? Then that would have been a classic. That actually Simpsons. would have really worked out well. Pete Peters. We need a too bad. There's no like Krabappel or anything like that, or or I mean Skinner. At least we have Skinner. Oh, yeah, man. we get Skinner. Oh, anyway, no, we, I, we'll, I, we'll throw that out. We, we, we have some dude, fun with this. We, we come up a with a roster. On this. We put up the roster and we see, you know, I guess Craig oh, Simpson. My oh, my God. Ben Lovejoy. This is, this is. Oh, we could actually do this. We could actually do this. If we find like a, if a, if we find a player in the history of time named McClure, we're going to, I'm going to lose my mind. Uh, Willie. Uh, would be groundskeeper Willie. I don't know how you could, but bleeding gums Murphy. I mean, someone's got to be bleeding Mur- gums Murphy. Joe There's Murphy. Some Murphys. Joe Murphy. Yeah. That could work. Groundskeeper. Groundskeeper Willie Nylander. Yes, that works enough for me. That it's works perfect. Enough. 
perfectly that fine. Works. Oh my god! Okay, you, we'll throw that might, out. We'll throw that oh out. Hit us up with god. the the Simpsons All Simpsons lineup. Can we do this? Can we? I think we can if we try really hard. I think we could. But this is the I perfect place a, to leave it, right? We gotta yes. we gotta drop it here. We it's I'm like just, a cliffhanger I'm, episode. We just make. We give you homework, and guess what? We're we're right back at it tomorrow. We're back at it on Wednesday, are we not? Yep. We're we're is is, so is part of the, the new schedule. So yep. now we just jump back into this on Wednesday. So hit us up, the Athletic Hockey Show, at gmail.com or tweet at us. Uh, that puts a wrap. Hey, this was a lot of fun. We're looking forward to opening night. I guess. Wait, is it opening night when there's a game at five thirty? Opening opening dusk evening. Because it's not opening day, evening? like opening day, like right? Isn't that the term? Pre-evening? Pre-evening. Pre-evening. Isn't that what it is? What like time five? is the evening for you? Seven. That's fair. Seven to nine. Seven to nine is evening. Okay. So anything yeah. before that is pre-evening. Pre-evening. The pre-evening matchup. Tampa, I mean, it's Nashville. Still, it's still technically afternoon, I guess, but you're right. Pre-evening, I guess, could work. Thus, we could debate this on Wednesday. We'll debate it Wednesday. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to Mark Lazarus for for dropping by. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Like I said, we're going to be doing a lot of fun things on this this format, this uh, platform uh, this year, including uh, YouTube. So follow us, youtube.com slash at the athletic hockey show. Lots of content going up there. And I want to remind you to uh, uh, follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a rating and review. We certainly appreciate that. Julian and I will be back on Wednesday uh, to wrap up opening day.